It's time for episode 446 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast with some very weird energy this morning. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my dungeon buddy. Yes, we played uh, Dungeons and Dragons again yesterday. It's Dan, the man Morin. How you doing, Dan? Wednesday noon. <laughs> to those not quite of you, Tuesday night, but yeah. it's, <laughs> it's close. Um, so with that weird energy, I am excited to say that joining us on uh, the Clockwise podcast for the first time is my bud, Owen J.J. Stone, who many of you may know as O-Doctor. He's a, a podcaster as well as a video producer and, uh, as of this morning, a pink unicorn. Uh, welcome to the show, O-Doctor. I'm a magical, mythical being, it is true, and everyone knows it. (laughs) (laughs) And to my left this week, it is the maven of shortcuts himself, purveyor of the shortcuts library, and... I'm a man about town. It's Matthew Castanelli. Welcome, welcome back, Matthew. Hello, hello. Welcome. Or what? <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> there is weird energy. You called it. <laughs> All right, welcome myself. I guess great start. Welcome <laughs> to myself, me for being here. Thank you. I'm going to save everybody by just getting this show kicked off. You know how it works. We've got four topics, thirty minutes, and here's mine for you. Uh, Apple updated iMovie and added some really fun new features to the program uh, that make it possible to kind of quickly create a movie. Uh, It used to be that you could kind of make trailers and things like that. And I'm just curious, have you ever actually created a slideshow, a movie, a trailer with your iPhone and iPad? And that led me into a question that I've asked in the past that I'm kind of curious to hear the latest on, which is how often do you use your phone or your tablet to shoot video And then after that, you actually do anything with the video that you shoot on your iPhone or your iPad. Oh, doctor, we'll start with you. I have edited a lot of things on my iPad Pro using LumaFusion because I shoot with Canon. And as my topic will discuss, I had an 8K uh, camera and I couldn't do anything with it. But my, my M1 could stream it back to me, play it, and I could use it on the iPad. So LumaFusion has been my go-to, and I'm excited that you're doing something because everybody and their mom wants something dedicated for the iPad because it's so powerful and portable. Just to be able to just do things on it would be great. So I'm excited. Yeah, I've, I have used iMovie in the past to make stuff. I'm trying to think. I think I've mainly done it on the Mac, but every once in a while, I've sort of dipped my toe in on the iPad side when there's something new to be done there, or even on the iPhone side when it's like all I've got like right on me, but it, it's extremely rare. Actually, the last time I was really doing anything with them was the first, right after the onset of the pandemic, we did a year where one of my cousins shepherded our entire family, every time there was a birthday, everyone would submit clips and then put them together and we'd like do a little like video for the person's birthday. Um, yeah, which was, it was adorable. I I did a little bit of the editing on a couple of them on that one. And I think I started using iMovie and was like, this is frustrating. I'm going to go get the downloadable trial of Final Cut Pro and use that because I'll feel much better about it. So 
didn't end up being something I used that much, even though I once harbored aspirations of uh, making movies and going to film school. Um, I like how simplistic they've made some of this aspect of it. Um, and, and the fact that you can shoot stuff with your iPhone and sort of do the entire workflow on your iOS devices is impressive. I think it's just mainly a thing that seems targeted more at people who are starting out in the, the video production and video shooting uh, because a lot of people then just, you know, they move on to more powerful tools. I think that's just kind of the way it does. But um, I am curious because I feel so much stuff is is bound eventually for the web these days, whether it be TikTok or Instagram or what have you. And a lot of those things include their own production tools that people generally use instead. I don't know who exactly is using this, <laughs> these tools these days, but Apple seems convinced some people will use it. So there you go. Matthew, what about you? I'm super interested in this kind of thing because... I've always aspirationally wanted to do the, especially the iPhone ones. Like I, I think that's a little small for just me having huge hands. Like I, I've have edited some of my YouTube videos using LumaFusion also. And I think it's like a great experience, but especially for personal videos, it does just take so much time to go through that. Whereas what they have in the photos app always seemed like it was so close to what I wanted. I just wanted a little bit more control to go in and edit those like automatically generated clips and so I feel like this is what this feature is. I haven't got a chance to test it. But the big thing is that it can import into Final Cut. And so in theory, I can shoot a bunch on, whether or not it's on my phone, I can put it onto my iPad and have it process that and then edit, do some basic stuff, and then bring it into Final Cut when I'm ready. So I'm even curious of how well this works with, like, quote unquote, real camera footage that's just significantly higher bandwidth because um, that's where I had problems exporting from LumaFusion into Final Cut. But this seems I'm I'm honestly thrilled. I hope it just works as well as you want without like it's that middle ground. It's, it's either too simple or too complex. And if you want to move between those, usually that's difficult. So hopefully this is like that bridge that people need. I uh, have not used the new magic movie feature, but I will give it a shot. Obviously, um, I just have found that I don't take a whole lot of photos or videos in the first place. Most of the stuff that's on my phone is uh, photos that my mom has sent me or my sister has sent me of my niece. Uh, and occasionally a photo from me that I've taken of my dogs. Uh, but m most of it is... Um, as I said, those things and then like uh, TikTok videos that I've downloaded so that I can share them with people who aren't on TikTok. Uh, there's not a whole lot of content that's mine in my photo role. Um, but thank you all for your answers on that. Let us go to our next question, which comes from Odokta. I got a new AK camera, which I just talked about, but I got a newer, newer one, the Canon R5C. And after having this and my M1 Ultra, I talked myself back into 8K because before I was like, I don't care about 8K. I got to use my iPad. I can't do anything with it. I can't see it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now, now that I have the power, now that I am one of the masters of the universe, 8K is important. I'm talking about the ledge guys. Do I need 8K TV? I'm going to get an 8K dog. Like, <laughs> I care about 8K because right now I'm in love and I am courting. I'm going to propose. I'm getting an 8K ring. What say you? <laughs> 
it sure sounds great. Uh, let me tell you though, I as somebody who has a, <laughs> the highest this. resolution thing I have is my 5K iMac, and it looks fantastic. I love it. I don't even have a 4K TV. I have a 1080p what? TV. Because it's so I just I, it looks fine. It looks fine. Doesn't look fine. I, I, oh my god! I'm supposed to, I know. I know. I'm not supposed to talk. It's embarrassing. For, I need to hug you. Where are you in the country? I'll fly to you and buy you a TV. Okay. Thank you. I'm oh, just very kind. I, then I have to mention that I have my PS5 hooked up to a 10. AP television. Oh like, what, are <laughs> what are you doing, man? Short show. Keep talking. All right. Uh, so, so I get. I mean, you know. I will say I, I've been impressed by the 4K like you know stuff that I've seen on my iMac, um, and you know video certainly looks great on my iPhone and my <laughs> iPad. I just haven't made that leap yet, and so I guess 8K is still too far out there. But maybe I'll just skip 4K and go straight to 8K. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that should be my move, and I'm going to try to get Matthew to save me so I can. That sounds good, Grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Boomer. To be fair, I switched to eight Ks when it comes out. (laughs) It actually does set up my point nicely because I do think, I think like 4K as the default is like finally hitting the full mainstream. Maybe Dan's not part of that. I don't know. I assumed you were. I thought you were on the cutting it. No. Um. But I think the part of it for me is editing in something or shooting and editing in something like AK would enable me to make full quality 4k footage. I do think AK, if you're shooting video will become more of the standard because then you can actually release full 4k stuff. Whereas right now it's probably more targeted towards 1080p for Dan. So (laughs) thank you. you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I got you. Um, so I'm, I'm right there. Uh, so the thing is I do so much, uh, video streaming stuff and, Almost every service online streams uh, at 1080p. That that 4K support is not there yet because you're already streaming video, which is a pretty big uh, sort of bandwidth hog. And so for that, you know, 4K seems like enough to be having my um, my camera capturing. But as Matthew has pointed out, and what I think is the coolest part about 8K to me is this idea that you capture more and use uh, sort of a zoomed in portion of it so that if you've got uh, a camera that is you're a little shaky with it or something like that, there's so much more information to use to be able to steady out that camera. Um, you can sort of trim the edges and reshape the video as you need to. For, for that reason, I think 8K is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, why don't you round us out, Owen? So, yes, that's exactly what I use it for, especially like in the TikTok or, or phone world. Being able to shoot a podcast or a show with a panel of four people and then giving them their own plane of 1080 cutting in and having it be crisp 1080, or if you have two people and have crisp 4K, is great and it's phenomenal. And that's what I use it for. That and the hard drive space is killing me. If anybody wants to <laughs> donate to me, I'll put my cash app out on Twitter because I'm going broke on real estate. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for those topics. We have reached halftime, which means it's time to talk about, I'm really excited to be talking about drafts, uh, who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise Drafts. Look, it's more than just another notes app. That's because it gives you a new approach to using your iPhone, your iPad, your Mac, and even your Apple Watch. It starts as a low friction way to capture your thoughts. Drafts launches ready to type. There's no more fumbling around to find the right app or the right folder to create a node only to find you forgot where you were doing it. You just open, you type, you dictate, and you'll never lose that thought. And once you've captured your text, 
Then Draft's customizable editor gives you a familiar place to hone your thoughts. You've got great markdown support, tools for arranging lines, your choice of fonts and font sizes, and other editing options, which will make Draft's your go-to scratch pad for everything from journals and checklists to drafting emails. And when you're ready to do something with your text, Draft's powerful actions are there for you. You can send emails, you can send messages, and you can send tweets all from Drafts. You can also create lists and reminders if you want to. Plus, it integrates with hundreds of popular apps and services, making it easy to fit into any workflow, especially when you can make use of the ready-to-use actions from the Drafts directory, or you can build out your own actions. The possibilities are endless. Drafts is always free to use, so you can download it today. Try it in your dock for a week, and you might find you can't live without it. And if you want more, you can unlock the power of themes, of workspaces, of custom actions, and even more with Drafts Pro. April 2022 marks the 10th anniversary of Drafts' original release in the App Store. Happy birth month, Drafts. And to celebrate, they're offering new users what a full year of Drafts Pro for a fraction of the normal cost. For details, visit getdrafts.com slash clockwise. That's getdrafts.com slash clockwise. You've heard many a podcaster talking about using Drafts. Now's your chance to check it out. Getdrafts.com slash clockwise. And of course, our thanks to Drafts for their support of the show and Relay FM. Alrighty, we are back from the break, which means it's time for Dan's Topic. All right. So perennially, this is the time when we hear new rumors about uh, health features being added to the next version of the Apple Watch. More recently, uh, although it sounds like they've been delayed, people are still talking about things like blood glucose monitoring and blood pressure monitoring or potentially detecting things like hypertension. I'm curious to know whether these features entice you to upgrade, or even if they're not coming this year, are these are kind of the, the reason that you would get a new Apple Watch? Are they things that you'll actually use? And as a corollary, how much do you rely on or use the health features of your watch or other wearable right now? Matthew? The first thing I thought of was just that my dad specifically is waiting for this. And I was surprised when he told me that because he like has, a, I think he has a series two still, <laughs> but he's going to be disappointed when he finds out this is delayed again. Because I think it is for, if you were going to upgrade your watch, it's a very good reason to compared to and also to get it for the first time. But I think when they don't do it, it kind of makes you like, oh, I'll just wait for the next one again, sort of thing. Um, so I'm I'm a little hesitant, but I do use the health features a lot. Like I track all of my stuff all the time and I like run my little shortcuts to pull in the data and things like that. So I'm a big fan of it, but I do, I want it to be more active like that with the blood glucose stuff, because that's what is affecting all of the other data that gets tracked. So I think going to like the source of the problems, not just how you're dealing with them is probably a, a more beneficial health thing. So I want it. I'm probably going to wait unless they add like NFC support for shortcuts and then I'll, <laughs> I'll probably get it. But the all, all current ones have that. So whatever. <laughs> I have relied on the features of my watch in the past blood pressure monitoring, uh, blood glucose monitoring, all of those would be good. We've seen, um, especially in Silicon Valley, uh, for some reason, an uptick in folks doing constant blood glucose measurements. And while that information itself may be being used in odd ways that are a little bit um, fad-ish, it doesn't mean that 
everyone shouldn't have access to that information. I've talked before about these ambulatory flesh sacks we all pilot around and how important I feel it is that if we're going to spend our lives literally uh, in these ambulatory flesh sacks, we should be able to know as much about them as possible. We should be able to have uh, what amounts to kind of a readout of of the the goings on inside of us. And so I will always advocate and support uh, folks having more access to that information uh, and as much as they possibly can. Oh, doctor, what are your thoughts? So let me chuck this up for you. I went from a series four to a series seven. And I only did it because of the bigger face. The oxygen reader thing doesn't intrigue me. If I could get blood pressure on it, great. If I could get glucose on it, great. Uh, I also wouldn't even be the guinea pig for it. I'd wait until probably the second iteration of that just to make sure that it's right, just because that's heavy stuff. And I, I mean, I love Apple and all that, but I don't know if I trust it to that because uh, I also use Oura Ring. I also have heart condition. I also have hypertension. So I'm on like seven medications a day I have to take. So that kind of stuff is important to me. I'm excited for the future and to be able to wear it. That's why I love the ring because I can keep it on 24-7. I can't wear the watch when I sleep. Uh, but I will say that even with the technology, sometimes it's an intrusive thing. I'll give you a short story. I was having adult fun with a young lady and we came to the end of our journey and my watch started going off like a bomb was going off. It was like, rrr, rrr, rrr. my heart rate had hit a high note and we oh, laughed no. and we laughed for like 10 minutes because we were like, what is this sound? Like, I didn't even realize that it was coming from my watch because I had never heard my watch. My heart rate had never hit that high, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was really a fun moment and something we'll never forget. And I'm sure she's told a million people by now, too. So, yay, technology and monitoring. <laughs> 24 7 at least it came at the end of the journey it didn't ruin the journey <laughs> trip was complete <laughs> uh well those are all great answers i think for me <laughs> the interesting part about it is i think you know you made the good point uh about the seriousness of some of these things and the fact that I'm not sure how accurate or how precise in, in either of those cases the, the like blood glucose monitoring and blood pressure monitoring are, but it's it's much more important to get them right, right? I mean, Apple already has disclaimers on stuff for like its EKG and its heart uh, rate monitoring and stuff like that. Like, hey, we're not, we can't detect if you're having a heart attack. If you feel symptoms, you should call 911, right? Because they there's liability issues and there's all sorts of potential things where if people are relying on these things to track uh, health metrics that are critical to their health and they are not accurate um and we've all run into problems with our apple watch where it's like it doesn't even count my steps right you know like <laughs> dealing with things like blood pressure or blood glucose could be much more serious so i think it's going to be interesting to see if and when those things do appear how apple presents them whether it presents them as like this is for your own information but it's not going to replace your existing ways of measuring this uh or whether they really do sort of take the the time and effort and expense to try and make these things as accurate as possible and perhaps even you know get them approved by the fda um so i don't know i don't tend to rely too heavily on the health sensors in my watch right now i think they're nice to have but 
I find for me, uh, you know, tracking that stuff leads to more anxiety, not less. Mm -hmm. So it tends not to be something that I rely on as critically. But I, I definitely understand that there's a lot of people who get a lot of value out of the information. And to Micah's point, being able to have information that you can take with you and at least know what questions to ask when you're talking to a medical professional is a huge positive. So we'll see. I don't think uh, Apple's journey in health is uh, over yet, but I think uh, I think it may be a little while before we start to see some of these bigger ticket features showing up. Thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Matthew. All right. So it's got to be a shortcuts question as usual, but um, <laughs> it's sort of tangential because I think one thing that Apple's been doing slowly is adding some features via something like shortcuts that I think a lot of people would probably want as just built-in features. My response to that is always, well, shortcuts is built in, so that's part of it. But you can do things like change your watch by the time of day or something that they just released in iOS 15.4 is you can set multiple playback destinations and essentially create speaker groups and disband them for your HomePod on the fly. And I feel like I'm like the only person who knows about that. And it's now possible for everybody on iOS. And so I'm, I'm curious what you think about, is that going to create a problem for Apple in the future? Or should they take what's popular in shortcuts and just build it into the system more native than even something like shortcuts is? This is an interesting question. I think on the one hand, this makes my job more fun because then I get to have that excitement of seeing someone have a reaction like, wait, you can do that? Oh my God, I get to tell people about this. That's what's exciting um, because it is a little bit more buried. The, the discoverability is not necessarily there. Uh, and for folks who are, you know, new to iPhone or are uh, not as as versed as to want to have opened the shortcuts app in the first place. Um, this is fun that, you know, you can tell them, did you know you can do this? Uh, but, but... At the same time, I do think that it would behoove Apple, if you will, uh, to bring some of the most popular features just as kind of settings. And I sometimes wonder if that's not what they kind of uh, are doing in a way that this is an opportunity to uh, try out those things that Apple would otherwise feel are a little bit too, um, you know, adding too many toggles and switches and uh, complexity. Well, we don't have to add that complexity, we can just add it to shortcuts. And then if it becomes a feature that's so popular, then they can justify the complexity of the thing. Oh, doctor, what do you think? Matthew, what is the last digit of your social security number? <laughs> first rule of shortcuts is we do not talk about shortcuts. <laughs> second rule of shortcuts is just go start a TikTok right now, Matthew. You seem very passionate. You seem like you're in an anonymous meetings group about shortcuts. You need to go on TikTok, make a video every day teaching powers of shortcuts because i will tell you one thing going back to being a mac user i forgot how nice it is to almost automate so many things in my life it makes me lazier it makes me a worse person but i feel so good about it uh people don't know i don't like sharing the power i don't like giving out my recipes i don't want other people to enjoy the joy that i have i just like feeling special and that's what shortcuts does for me so <laughs> Uh, that's how I feel about it. I don't like talking about it. It's not my jam to share, but it's, it's something that is so vast that you can't even explain to regular people that they can do it. Cause I've tried and I, I don't do it anymore because once that's you fair. show someone that, that window, 
it's like crack cocaine. They just want more of it. I'm like, I'm not your guide. I'm not a drug dealer. I just was telling you that there's drugs out there. Go figure out what you want to do with it yourself. <laughs> so it's a very unique niche thing that Apple has going on. And I don't know what the answers are, but just forward me over your social security number, Matt. Now. <laughs> Uh, that is a, that is a full service offer right there. Um, I, you know, I think I'm on the line. I think Micah made some good points about the, the idea of sort of testing things out. And I think there is an argument for that in shortcuts. It is a great place to see how people are using it. And for even Apple to sort of understand what people need and to figure out ways of like, well, if that is a thing that people are doing a lot, then maybe it's a thing that needs to be built into the operating system rather than just being something that's accessible only to those who find it. Um, that said, shortcuts has so much more variety than in order for that to actually work out. I feel like they have to be even more committed to shortcuts and adding stuff along the way. And I think this is a good sign. The fact that they're willing to do stuff that's very specific to devices is a plus because it means people are thinking about how do we use all of these different devices, right? We don't use all of our Apple devices the same. You don't use your watch the way you use your phone, the way you use your Apple TV, the way you use your HomePod, or the way you use your Mac. So uh, being able to tailor things to work specifically on a device-to-device basis, I think really opens up a lot of possibility, and it shows that Apple is thinking about very specific cases in in terms of how they use these things. So... I do. I think it's a good place to start. I hope they don't sort of abrogate all their responsibility here and just be like, uh, you know, hey, Shortcuts is is doing this, so we don't need to worry about building this feature in because that, that seems to me to be a, a lazy way of handling it. Uh, you need to commit to both of these things and, and sort of maximize their potential individually. Uh, why don't you wrap us up here, Matthew? I, I do like to share my shortcuts, but that's only just because like I have too many, first of all, that I just like I got to do something with them. And I just like giving them to people because I, I think I can I'm trying to help them skip that step where you're just like, I don't know what to do. And you already have some examples. So that's at least my goal. But I do think with all of these features, I do think it needs to become more accessible. I think they th- I want to give them credit for they put out shortcuts release notes with for the first time the last time and that's where they'll detail some of these things and I totally love to see like just videos explaining that these things are possible and it's in shortcuts at least because then it can just get communicated to the wider group but I agree that you get a million views. <laughs> I mean, I'm, uh, don't worry. Let's I'm go. Um, I have a YouTube channel already, but it's been a while since I've been putting out my shortcuts. Um, but yeah, so basically I think they also need to commit more to the app and give people the shortcuts that do these things themselves and the actions for all of their apps, like taking your iMovie thing and moving it into final cut. Like we were talking about all that stuff should be hooked in together and that's when it'll be, this is how you use this stuff and they make them into better features as well. All right, folks, we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you about CrowdStrike, who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise. You want to hear an unsettling fact? Of course you do. 70% of cyber attacks are targeted at small to mid-sized businesses. You might be wondering how serious a cyber attack even is. Well, probably if you're listening to this podcast, you know how serious a cyber attack is. Uh, About half of businesses will become unprofitable within a month of being breached. 
Wow. Cyber criminals know smaller businesses may not have the resources to defend themselves from ransomware and malware. This makes smaller companies an easy target, and the ransoms collected can add up quickly. If you want to better protect your business, well, CrowdStrike has a solution for you. Falcon Pro by CrowdStrike is the cybersecurity solution your small business needs. It provides superior prevention from cyber attacks, it detects malicious activity, and it offers immediate response capabilities for your business. And it's all fully deployed in just minutes to protect your organization. Falcon Pro provides features like antivirus protection, firewall management, device control, and integrated threat intelligence all in one cloud-based solution. With Falcon Pro, your systems are protected against all cyber threats, not just malware, even when devices aren't connected to the internet. And don't worry, you can say goodbye to sluggish antivirus scans and inconvenient reboots to delay your team productivity. Rated 4.9 out of 5 by Gartner Peer Insights, CrowdStrike is the cybersecurity your team needs. So head to CrowdStrike.com slash clockwise to start a free 15-day trial. That's CrowdStrike.com slash clockwise for a free 15-day trial of CrowdStrike Falcon Pro. And of course, our thanks to CrowdStrike for their support of this show. My bonus topic for you, When you stay in a hotel, do you use the soaps, lotions, and other toiletries, or do you bring your own? Oh, doctor? If I have to suffer, I will use them, but always bring lotion. Soap will dry out your skin. Always bring your own. It puts the lotion in the basket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like not having to travel with all those things, especially in an era where you have to put them in little bottles anyways to put in a carry-on. So I generally end up using them if they're there. But every once in a while, you travel them because you go to like an Airbnb or something. You're like, I don't even know if these have any of this stuff. Yeah, I I usually bring my own just because I have, I bought little travel size containers, but I'm pretty sure... I didn't use them for like two whole years at this point. So I think I need to replace everything in there before I go on my next trip. <laughs> I have a lot of travel anxiety. So uh, overpacking is a way to help me deal with said travel anxiety. So I I always bring those things with me because then I don't have to worry about, oh, but what if they don't have them? There's uh, not a CVS here. What do yeah, I do? Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, thank you all for your answers on that. And by the way, listeners, if you would like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for just five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss streaming software. All right, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our incredible guests, Owen J.J. Stone, a.k.a. O Doctor, a.k.a. The Purple Unicorn. We do appreciate you joining us today on the show. I love you all so much. Thanks for having me. Please let me come back and visit again. (laughs) (laughs) And Matthew Casanelli, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. It's my pleasure as always. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the 1080p clock. (laughs) Bye, everybody.